1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16. While you're turning, I thought I'd mention I was cold since we didn't do meet and greet. We could end at 11.30, which means we have 15 minutes left for the preaching. So I'll try to go quick. 1 Corinthians 16. You know, a lot of people are afraid of the coronavirus, so I just thought I'd mention the update this morning in the U.S. Uh, 2,955 known cases, 80 deaths, and it seems to be going exponentially, so similar to 1918. But somebody commented to me yesterday, they believe this was the pale horse in the book of Revelation, which is pestilent, and it makes me want to preach Daniel chapter 9 today, because we're not in the tribulation period. That's going to be a lot worse, but we, the church, won't be here for that, thank the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16, by the way, I'll mention this too, at the conference, they decided that even bumping elbows was not safe because uh, nowadays they tell you instead of coughing into your hands, you cough into your elbow. So they were all using their feet, bumping feet. So. All right, 1 Corinthians 16, I just want to mention briefly about this. There are some passages of scripture like this one in 1 Corinthians, the last chapter, they are not as doctrinal. So I hope we could have time for this chapter and go into 2 Corinthians, but there's not a lot of time. But, but in that doesn't mean it's not valuable because 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of, uh, of God and is profitable for doctrine. So it's all profitable. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning the collection of the saints, here it's referring, of course, to the believers that were in Jerusalem. They were struggling. Uh, they were needed financial help. And so he had been going around to the churches requesting that they try to give to help them. So he says, concerning that collection, he said, I have given order to the churches of Galatia. And Galatia was in the uh, region in the part that we now call Turkey, they call it Asia Minor then, and he had given that instruction too to all the churches there. He said, even so do ye, he wanted these believers in Corinth to do it as well. He said, verse 2, upon the first day of the week, um, and I could do a whole message there of course, but I just want to briefly mention, first of all, the tense in the Greek implies that this was not just one Sunday, this was each Sunday. They were to do this each Sunday to, to do this collection. And uh, it says, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. So they were to um, give as they could give, as God had prospered. Um, I learned by experience once that, uh, so a friend of mine asked, they said their car broke down, could I loan them some money uh, so they could get their car fixed and then they would pay me back because um, he would get it from his grandmother and pay me back. And so I said, okay. And so I loaned him $1,800 for his car repair, but he didn't get the money from his grandmother and then I didn't have the money to pay my bills. So that put me in a bind. So when God, when we give, God doesn't expect us to take from what we don't have. If we have obligated money, you, you have an agreement to pay something. That scripture where Paul says in Romans, oh no man anything, I don't think, think that means you can't buy a house and make payments. I think what it means is you, we are obligated if we are in a contract to pay, 
we should pay. So if you give from that which you don't have, and then you are in need, that defeats the purpose. So here it's prospering. I want to say another word about the first day of the week. Um, as you know, Seventh-day Adventists uh, worship on Saturday. Uh, they, we, we do know scripturally that the Sabbath has not changed. It's still from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. But every instance you read of the Sabbath in the Old Testament, it will say every single time for the children of Israel. And we celebrate, uh, we worship on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway, they were meeting on the first day. That was common. That's what they did as believers. Uh, they were giving. He said, give as it prospers him. And going on in verse 2, that there be no gatherings when I come. He said, you know, do it now. Don't just wait till the last minute when I get there. Verse 3 says, and when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality to Jerusalem. So he said, Any, those that you decide, um, the, the wording is awkward in the King James. I know some of you have different translations and maybe that helps. But the intention here, what he's saying, is he, whoever you decide it are the ones that are going to take this money to Jerusalem. Paul is saying, I will send like letters of uh, introduction or letters of approval along with them as, as the money was sent. And then he says in verse 4, and if it be meet, the old English word meaning appropriate or fit, that I go also, they'll go with me. Verse 5, he says, now I'll come to you when I shall pass through Macedonia. Um, if you are looking at a map, Corinth is in the southern part of Greece. Um, not too far from Athens. Those of you who have been there probably know that. Um, Old Corinth is still a, a place you can visit today. I only passed through on the train, but uh, on the way to Athens. But it is a place you can visit. So he's saying, as I pass through Macedonia, and here he's implying from the Greek, after I pass through there, he said, because I do pass through Macedonia, verse 6, it may be that I will abide, that is, of course, stay or remain, yea, and winter with you. Now, we'll get in a moment that he mentions Pentecost, that he's going to stay at Pentecost, uh, stay at Ephesus until Pentecost. We're in 1 Corinthians 16. And, you're welcome. <laughs> so, the, um, we know that Pentecost, of course, you know, Easter changes uh, dates all the time as we celebrate because it's based on the Passover. So the first full moon after the Passover, then we have, uh, that's how we, each year we determine when Easter is, I think this year is April 12th, so about a month away, four weeks. In any case, then when you take Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, that's Pentecost. It usually falls somewhere in early June, but here he's mentioning that he hopes to get there, and if he does, that he might uh, stay a while, even possibly stay the entire winter. So, that's in... Uh, beginning of verse 6, and then he said that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. Um, they, they could be helpful in sending him, continuing on his missionary journey. Verse 7, Paul says, for I will not see you now, um, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permits. So a couple things there. He says, I don't want to just come and be there a day, or two days. I want to be able to stay a while. But he, he acknowledges, just as we're taught in James, 
where James says this we will do if God permit. And so Paul knows that it may not be God's will, but that is what his intention. Verse 8, he says, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. So that's what I was referring to earlier. So uh, he, he decides that at least till uh, that point in June, he would stay at Ephesus. Ephesus is a, of course, a coastal city um, that's um, Turkey, uh, what we call modern day Turkey. And so he said he'd stay there till then. Verse 9, he's, and he explains why. The word for means because a great door and effectual is open to me. And there are many adversaries. Now, two things he's saying there. Um, the opportunity he has in Ephesus to be with the believers there. But he also mentions uh, that there are those who are working against the work of the Lord, the adversaries. Verse 10, he said, Now, if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. In other words, they're saying, you know, respect him. Um, we know that when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, don't let anybody despise your youth. Apparently, he was a young man. I um, started pastoring at a young age. First church I pastored was in Kentucky while I was in seminary. And so I was only 21. <laughs> I look back on now. That's 40 years ago. But anyway, and I, was, I was young. But I, I had been studying the Word of God uh, a lot to that point. I already understood the kingdom. And I knew what the bride of Christ meant. I knew the salvation of the soul. So I was ready to preach, uh, but I was young. So he told Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. He's telling these at Corinth, respect him. He goes on to say, for, the word because in verse 10, he, that is Timothy, works the work of the Lord as I also do. So treat him the same. Verse 11, let no one, I know in the, King James it says man, and I'm just saying no one because it says, don't let any person is the meaning. Therefore, despise him. Um, so, you know, don't re reject him, uh, respect him. Don't despise him, it says, but conduct him forth in peace that he may come to me. So that would help when Timothy gets then to Paul. For I look for him with the brethren. There were other uh, believers that Paul was looking to see. Uh, that come, come to see him, verse 12. As touching, meaning concerning, our brother Apollos, which you remember he mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There, remember the whole thing at the beginning of Corinthians, there was the, this division going on, and people were arguing. and said, well, some say, I'm with Paul, and some say, I'm with Apollos, and I'm with Christ. And he said, we're all fellow laborers working together. So he mentions Apollos here. Our brother Apollos, I greatly desire him to come to you with the, bro the brothers, the old English word brethren, but his will, that is the will of Apollos, was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Verse 13, we have some instruction that he gives to the believers at the end of this letter. Watch ye. Uh, some people misinterpret the word watch, so I'll talk about that a little bit. It can mean, of course, obviously be alert. I always think of the signs where somebody says, beware, like I have one on my fence that says, beware of the dog. I have three. They're pit bulls. Usually you don't have to put a sign up for that. My dogs wouldn't hurt anybody. They, people come in the gate all the time, and they're, they're just like they're there to see them. So. But I do have that sign, and it just amazes me. 
how brave people are that don't know my dogs is open them. I was upset with the UPS deliverer. He opened the gate and left it wide open as he came to bring the package. Thankfully, my dogs have that invisible fence where they have a collar so they know not to go out that gate, even if it's open, but <coughs> I get off, getting off the subject here. So be alert, be on guard, watch. It's not a, you know, some people think that uh, with, with regards to the Lord's return, and I've heard people do this, and whole churches have, that they should, meaning sell everything they have, give it, give it away, and then watch and wait for the Lord to come. So that's not the meaning of the word watch. It's that we, we need to, as believers, make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do, that he is working through us and we're being pleasing to him. So this watching is being alert in our Christian lives, knowing that we have an adversary, the devil, uh, that Peter says walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may desire. If we actually saw a lion in the church, we'd be trying to find a way out of here. I think I would. So we should take Satan as seriously as that. He is trying. He is our adversary. We need to be alert. That's why in Ephesians, Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. So watch. Then he says, stand fast in the faith. So fast is an old English word, but means stand firm. Uh, you know, we, we know the faith, as, as Jerry's been teaching in Sunday school, mean trust and believe, and all the different meanings in the Hebrew has been going out of those uh, who, who had faith, and Hebrews chapter 11 has a list of those in the Old Testament that had faith. Um, so we know that we get more faith as we're in the Word of God. We're, the more we know Him, the more we're able to trust Him. We have more faith. You can have more faith. But we need to stand firm in it. Paul talked often about don't be swayed about by every wind of doctrine. Some people are not grounded in the Word of God. They're not standing firm in the faith. And so they're easily swayed. If somebody comes along and says, oh, like that. So we need to be careful. Stand firm in the faith. Now this next phrase is unusual in the King James. Quit you like men. When I was in high school, I got saved at age 11, but I tried to read the Bible and I read, what? I didn't know. There weren't any other translations then when I was little. The first one that I remember was the Living Bible, which is a paraphrased Bible. What does that mean? Quit you like men. But the word, in a sense, to act like men is uh, sort of what it means. But um, the idea is to be courageous and be ready for battle. So think about the idea, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If it were just a physical fight, then possibly we wouldn't need to worry, but it's against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's a whole study in itself of Satan and all of his uh, hosts that work with him. So we need to be courageous. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Then it ends in verse 13, be strong. And the strong, it's the same thing in Ephesians. It says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. It's not our own strength. It's his, his strength. Verse 14. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you for the water, Eric. By the way, I'm getting better. I still have the cough, you can tell, but each day it gets better. I get a little more strength. So. 
Verse 14, let all your things be done with charity. There's that Greek word agape. It's reminding me at the conference. Um, the One of the guys that was speaking was a Greek scholar. And he was saying that, you know, we may not know how to pronounce the Hebrew and Greek words, and sometimes they're mispronounced. But he said, um, there is a, a thing you can go to now, you can buy some of you might have heard of, called Logos. And that's a computer program that has all Bible references and commentaries and all that. But you can actually have it say the word for you. As Jerry said, he was trying to do the way the Hebrew, but still couldn't get it right. So, uh, by the way, this this is helpful with Hebrew pronunciation. I'm getting off track here, but the anytime you have a ch or a h, it's guttural, like in the German. So, so you have to do that kind of sound. So that, that's helpful. And all the vowels are like Latin. A, E, E, O, U. So the, that's how the, that goes if you're reading Hebrew and transliterated into our characters. And the rest of the letters are basically mostly the same. So anyway, uh, getting back to Greek, he said, uh, the preacher who didn't know how to pronounce agape and said agape. So <laughs> I thought that was funny. And some of you did too. So. <laughs> By the way, I keep getting off on this, but what I like most about, ooh, we're time's up already. Is it okay, Harris, if I go a few more minutes? Instead of putting, okay, I appreciate it. Okay, I'm not used to stopping this soon, but anyway. Um, one thing I like the most, the last session was the, the president of Bob Jones University, and I don't remember his name, Pettit, I think Tom Pettit or something, but anyway, he preached and the title of the message is, What Should the Church Do? Because the whole whole conference came down to, what should the church do? What should we do as a church? And I love the passage he picks, 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word. That's why we're here, is to have the word preached. And the churches are getting away from that. He talked about how they get into pop culture and the, the kind of music that everybody wants and they it becomes more of an entertainment, and then he, he used verse 3 as well, where it says they just want to heat to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. They just want to be entertained. So preach the word. Uh, it was a really good message. Anyway, getting back to this. So this word agape is a, a it's, it's unconditional love. It's the kind of love God has. He said, let all your things be done with charity. Verse 15. Paul says, I beseech you, I beg you, I entreat you, brethren, that's all the believers. Then he says, parenthetically, you know the house of Stephanas. Now they knew who it was. He mentioned it um, in the beginning of 1 Corinthians. Remember when he talked about, I'm glad I didn't baptize all of you. And then he started to mention, well, I did baptize Stephanas and, and his family. So here he's mentioned, uh, actually in the Greek, it's Stephanas. The house of Stephanas. That is the first fruits of Achaia, so that uh, that region in southern Greece. He was the, the first one to believe. <coughs> Excuse me, going on, verse 15. And they have addicted themselves. Interesting word, because the whole conference that I went to was how to help people with addictions. And uh, the meaning in the Greek is given themselves to. In other words, it was really important to them, giving themselves to the ministry of the saints. So they were doing that, and he mentioned that here. So what I'm going to do now is 
skip the parentheses. I'm going to read the beginning of verse 15 to verse 16. So it says, I beseech you, brethren, verse 16, that ye submit yourselves to such. The such he refers to is Stephanus. Stephanus. Submit yourselves to such and to everyone that helps with us and labor. So everybody, you know, be in submission to them. Verse 17. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. For that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. I never took this derogatorily, but some, if you read some commentaries, they think he's being harsh with the Corinthian believers here and said, well, you, did, you didn't take care of it, so they did. It just sounds to me like they, they made up the difference and they helped. That's what I read. Verse 18. <coughs> For, meaning because, they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Uh, by the way, I didn't spend much time on those names other than here, Fortunatus and Achaicus, we don't have any other reference to them. So all we have is this. He's speaking highly of them. Uh, and again, I mentioned the house of Steph uh, Stephanus mentioned earlier. All right, back in verse 18, he goes on, Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. Anyone that's like that, that's doing the work of the Lord, acknowledge them. Verse 19, the churches of Asia, and that was Asia Minor he's referring to, which is modern-day Turkey, salute, salute you. So all those churches that were in that region, you know some of them because they're mentioned in the book of Revelation. Right? Seven, seven of them mentioned there. But anyway, there were all these believers in Asia, in Turkey. It was what we call it. Salute you. They all greet you. Aquila and Priscilla, they were husband and wife, and they were tent makers like Paul. And uh, see, so they, they also salute you. It says, much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So we understand in the first century, they weren't building big church buildings and people didn't travel very far. They, they estimate a mile at most two. And so they would meet together in people's homes. He said they all, they all sent, uh, say hello. Verse 20, all the brethren greet you, greet ye one another with a holy kiss. Well, if we had more time, we'd do Second Corinthians, but, um, we're supposed to have a shorter service because we didn't have meeting greet. So uh, let's close in prayer. Father, we're thankful this morning that you've given us a few moments in your word. And we know that it's all precious. It's all important. Um, we know that because it's there, it's there for a reason. And we look at these scriptures this morning and we, we think about all that Paul was saying, but the, the most that comes to mind for instruction for us is to watch, be alert. These, this virus, we understand, Father, is not as bad as it will be in the tribulation. But we know Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. But we know that ultimately, um, we're looking for you to return and take us out of here and we can spend eternity with you but we pray that at the judgment seat that we might hear well done thou good and faithful servant so father help us today to be children that are pleasing to you that are saying no to self 
and yes to you. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ.